Welcome to Trending in Education. I'm Mike Palmer here, excited to dive into what may be on the horizon as we head into the summer of 2022. I'm not going to do it alone. I'm going to bring in a crackerjack panel of experts. First off, it wouldn't be a virtual conversation on Trending in Ed without the one and only Nancy. Nancy just joined me to break down the Lambda project and some of the kerfuffle around sentient AI and whether Lambda had become self-aware. Interesting conversation. There'll be links to it on the Trending in Ed website. Nancy, welcome back to Trending in Education. Thanks, Mike. Always happy to be here and to be rejoined by my colleagues. I did get a lot of positive feedback on Nancy's triumphant return. So with that, I thought, let's get other voices in. In this case, I'm bringing Malcolm back on the show. Malcolm focuses on 3K through 12, early childhood education, right on through the high school years. Malcolm, welcome back to Trending in Education. Thanks, Mike. I look forward to checking in with you. First off on your experiences as a parent of a young son. Then we can dive into what's going on in early childhood through secondary education. It's going to be fun. And then last but not least, we have Ruth back on the show. Ruth focuses on higher ed and workforce learning, the future of work. Ruth, welcome back to the show. My pleasure once again, Mike. Last we caught up, it was towards the end of 2021. We thought it might be a good time to notice and reflect on some of the things we've been seeing. So starting with you, Mike, what are some of the broader themes that you're noticing? What trends are cutting across all the segments of the learning ecosystem? I appreciate the question. One of the broader trends is systems thinking, design thinking, user experience design, usability. All of these ideas are permeating the, the full culture. And that means that learning is being designed in new and interesting ways. So that's the first trend, I would say. Design thinking, systems thinking, thinking about learning as an ecosystem that we're engaging with across our lifetime. And this is very much where learner-centered design comes into play. Thinking about the learner as the center of their individual universe, their learning ecosystem. And then how do you design with that intent? Once you do that, that forces you to break down some of the more traditional silos of education, even the breakdown we were touching on at the top of the show around K-12, higher ed, lifelong learning, and or workforce learning, however you want to describe it. When you start getting learner-centered, I think a lot of the individual ecosystems or silos really don't make sense if they operate entirely independent of the others. So I think thinking of it as an ecosystem, thinking of it as a learner-centered ecosystem, it, when you try to think about the future of learning, I think that's the number one. The second one is perhaps a byproduct of the first idea, which is once you go learner-centered, a lot of the cuts around which type of learner is going to go where starts to break down. There are myriad different ways in which you could personalize and tailor experiences to individuals that then makes you start thinking of them as multifaceted, complex, looking for differences, perhaps more than looking for the sameness and allowing for that difference. 
that would be the second trend. And then the third macro trend is the relationship between humans and technology in light of the pandemic, in light of the polarization that we're seeing, and in light of how connected, addicted, symbiotically related to our phones we are and our technology, you know, phones, I think are the current gateway. There may be other gateways down the road. Those are the three broad trends that I'm noticing heading into the summer of 2022. Last one as a bonus, you know, this is in line with the great snapback, which we talked about a bunch on the, sh the show. Steve Jordan's was the guy who brought that idea here. I think he's been mostly borne out in that we really were just tired of the behavior changes and the signaling that reminded us of the fact that we were in a pandemic and we just needed a cleanse. We just needed the ability to revert back to different non-pandemic frames of understanding. I think that's true. So now the question is, how will the epidemiology of the virus, how will the future that we're leaning into, how will all of that shape up? You know, maybe the jury's a little bit out. But I'd say the things that we'll be looking for will be one, that relationship to the learner, to her ecosystem, to his ecosystem, to whatever world surrounds us. That world is changing. If you think about consumer electronics and all of those blendings that I was talking about, as you design for that, and you think about designing learning products into that context and into that mental model, that's the first. The second is thinking about how inclusivity then relates to that design model. This is also where empathy and grace, what I would view as pro-social, positive, social-emotional, I guess social-emotional baby aspects of what's happening these days are jumping to mind. And then the last one is the, the crisis of trust with technology, but also the untold potentialities that are emerging when you think about how all this stuff could be designed in new and exciting ways. It does feel as though we're on the cusp of something, although I think since it will be summer, we'll mostly be just Coming back, catching our breath, enjoying the warmer months. And on the horizon, I think there will be more conversations about the environment and some of the global crises that we're facing, where hopefully the climate doesn't result in too much tumult heading into the summer. But anyway, those are some of my thoughts. I'd love to get each of your reactions to some of what I just put out there. Maybe beginning with you, Ruth, who kicked it off. Thanks, Mike. First off, to synthesize, the three broad trends you're highlighting are, one, learner-centered design, design thinking, learning ecosystems. Two, inclusion, pro-social design, grace, empathy. Three, crisis of trust with technology. There is upside, but also risk. Nicely synthesized, Ruth. Add to that the environmental factors. You know, we're living in extended black swan upon black swan events. If you look at the interplay between these things and among these things, they do compound in some ways that can be concerning as well. 
you know, if you look at the impact of the global pandemic and then some of the, the actions in the Ukraine, add to that the social justice climate that we've been living in and the polarization of our political climate, it is a bit of a tinderbox kind of vibe. But at the same time, it does feel like we want to relax and recover. So my hope is that we can give ourselves the grace, give ourselves the time to recover and to heal and to hopefully enjoy a, a safe summer where we can feel ourselves a little bit. Understanding the economy will be in a tricky spot. Inflation is a concern. But for those of us who can recharge in whatever ways make sense, just being outside in nature this summer, finding green spaces, you know I'm a big fan of class outside. We're just hoping that all of our listeners, particularly all of our educators out there who've been really putting in the time on the front lines, helping get us through these difficult years, plural, hopefully folks will have a chance to recharge, come back fresh. It's also when you're a little burnt, you can't really reinvent. You just can survive. So hopefully folks will have an opportunity to recharge because I think there will really be some reinvention on the horizon. We just have to have the energy to lean into it. Ruth, you're looking at higher ed and lifelong learning, workforce development. In some ways, you have the, the biggest chunk and the most engaged chunk, hopefully, of our lives in that higher ed right into the rest of our learning careers. What do you see on the horizon heading into the summer? You can't talk higher ed without talking about the economics. We'll share a Forbes article showing tuition increases at top colleges rising an average of 3.7% heading into the fall. This is lower than the inflation rate in the broader economy, but it comes at a time when folks are questioning the value of the traditional four-year degree versus the cost. As some might say, the tuition is too damn high. Indeed, the tuition is too damn high. If you look at this Forbes article, it is highlighting the top 20 colleges, which in itself is part of the problem, I would argue, and then benchmarking tuition against the rest of the country when, in this case, tuition is approaching $60,000 a year. It's, on average, $58,396. Keep in mind, there's a lot of discounting that happens. This is another topic in higher ed that folks may be aware of, but folks typically don't pay the full sticker price. There is a lot of need-based grants and scholarships and ways in which one can pay for higher ed, particularly in these elite colleges and universities, without necessarily taking on undue debt. But it doesn't necessarily account for individuals who are trying to figure out how to finance their education in a private liberal arts college in America. They're coming perhaps from the middle class. They may not qualify for as much federal aid. It's challenging, and this is all challenging at a time when we're all likely going to feel it in our pocketbooks, feel it in our wallets, feel it in our 401ks if we're fortunate enough to have them. Folks are going to feel more pressure around their purchasing decisions. Another aspect of this, Ruth, is on the workforce side, thinking about learning and upskilling and building those things into your culture, building those into your 
recruitment strategies and your engagement strategies, ways in which you can build a learning culture, those are all now interestingly in the mix when we're going to be facing some economic challenges. There will be real upside for employees with the right skill set. The question I think will be how much of that is powered by higher ed, how much of that is powered by which models of higher ed, and then which of those models are the most flexible, convertible, resilient. Those are all things that we'll be looking at. Any additional thoughts as we're focusing briefly on higher ed and the future of work? I, I know we'll have you back for deeper dives on many of these topics in the future, but any other thoughts, Ruth, before we move on? Yes, Mike. It's a fascinating time to be thinking about learning throughout the life course. As we live and work longer, it will be interesting to see how learning blends into the rest of our lives. I saw Brandon Busteed suggest that with the adoption of a four-day work week, perhaps Friday could be dedicated to learning. I like that kind of thinking. There has been a real shock to system that has accelerated disruption of the traditional model of higher education. As this evolves closer to the emerging thinking around the skills economy and the future of work, keep an eye on the new blends that emerge. Similarly, think about the vast and varied learning experiments that happen over the summer. Whether it's on the job at an internship or a first gig out of college, or taking a course or working on a creative project to continue to hone your craft, it's a time for recovery, but also a time for focused growth. I wish great things to everyone embarking on the rest of their lives this summer. Gracious as always, Ruth. Wonderful to have you on. Malcolm, I'd like to turn to you next. We haven't spoken in some time. When we last caught up, my son had just begun Universal 3K here in New York City. This Wednesday, Matthew will be leveling up from 3K and will be entering into 4K. What's your take on that earliest slice of things? How should we think about emerging trends in early childhood education? Thanks, Mike. Yes, time does fly. Congrats on Matthew's progress. It's nice when on-ramps to education can get built into a society at an early age. It sounds like you had a positive experience there. One to build on. But more broadly, early childhood ed in some ways has become a lingering reminder of the culture war around masking. With vaccines just now getting approved for children under 5, most pre-K and daycare has continued masking protocols especially in more progressive states like New York and California. Regardless of where, it's become fodder for outrage media on both sides. At the end of the day, parents are deeply invested in the educational lives of their children, seemingly more so now in light of the pandemic. Beginning with early childhood education progressing right through K-12, parents have been activated socially and politically. It's something we'll continue to watch as this plays out. Indeed, the culture war has moved in many ways to reproductive rights in light of the leaked abortion decision from the Supreme Court. This will all continue to play out heading into the elections in November, the midterm elections here in the United States. In the meantime, folks will continue to struggle with their relationship with education as a career with education, as uh, life's work, we'll continue to ideally shine a light on those who are doing amazing work in the education space, in the ed tech space. There are many heroic leaders and educators out there, up and down within organizations. I will give one final shout out to Miss Katie, who is the 3K teacher who really got through to Matthew and showed him that there are other humans out there in the world who he can trust and learn from and get guidance and structure from. She built a very warm and nurturing 
culture there that allowed our son to blossom in. And as he moves on, it is a reminder that we are saying goodbye to folks this summer, and we're going to say hello to new folks heading into the fall. I always liken it to seasons of Beverly Hills 90210. Again, reflecting my age, this is the first iteration of 90210 that I'm talking about. But yeah, it is a time to reflect back on the year. There was another round of commencement speeches for those of us who have children who are moving to different stages in their lives or preparing for pre-K in my case, but also preparing for higher levels of education, right on through higher ed into formal education, medical education, learning a profession, learning a trade, learning a craft. It is time to learn how to be good guides along the way and to defend where we need to, hopefully to find common ground with our educators is always the angle that I try to come at it from. Last but not least, we did want to catch up with you again, Nancy, about what's emerging in ed tech, what we see on the horizon around new and emerging trends around technology and the world around us. And then we can reflect a little bit on how that may play out in learning context. Heading into the summer, what do you have your eye on? What's capturing your attention? I continue to be fascinated by the metaverse and where it's best applied to learning contexts. The same for Web3. In both cases, there are many specific contexts in which new and emerging technology can open up new opportunities to learn in new ways. But like many emerging technologies, it will come with risks. It will also be treated as a silver bullet when in truth technology can't teach us anything without the support and guidance of humans. I'd say keep an eye on the human-centered AI program at Stanford and at the work coming out of the MIT Media Lab as two places where new things are coming to life on the regular. We also recently did an episode on research coming out of Udemy showing trends in the types of skills folks are gravitating to when looking for upskilling and career development. We'll keep looking for insights from those kinds of sources. I especially like the movement to include words like human-centered and responsible or ethical into the language we use to envision the future of AI. Machines learn from context in much the same way that humans do. I'm intrigued by the ways in which we can convey context and situational awareness to non-human agents. The sentient AI debate is an intriguing one since it will continue to push us to determine what technology can and cannot do for us. When humans see turf to non-human agents, there's a risk that they won't be able to take things back. Decisions need to be reversible. Any good science fiction writer would tell you that sentient machines need to be built with kill switches. The challenge now is that what was once science fiction is just now becoming possible. In learning contexts where teachers are increasingly taxed, how can technology be used to allow for more human flourishing, not less? Mindfulness apps come to mind as an example. Where can new technology-powered feedback loops set up virtuous cycles as opposed to pernicious ones? Really interesting stuff. More short-term, I'll be curious to see how tutoring platform providers continue to emerge into the post-pandemic landscape of wide gaps in access and opportunity. Once again, there is a lot of promise here, but like any technology solution, there is risk. Similarly, I'm looking for great examples of using chatbots and other non-human agents to help learners on the journeys throughout their lives. I'm drawn to the compelling language learning experience within Duolingo as an example. How can something like that expand beyond language learning into other contexts? Something with sticky feedback and great UX can really transform the learning universe. We'll certainly be on the lookout for that. Indeed we will, Nancy. We'll be on the lookout for that, as well as trends early childhood ed right through K-12, right into post-secondary, whether it's traditional post-secondary, lifelong learning, workplace learning, 
some interesting trends within the skills economy and what's going on in community colleges and in partnerships between the private sector and higher ed, big tech and higher ed, vocational tracks being exposed to kids as early as possible so that they may uncover passion and drive and intrinsic rewards that are tied to learning, that are tied to developing a growth mindset, but also a learner's mindset and a learner's identity in an age when increasingly we're going to need to learn more things faster and more efficiently throughout our lives. We'll continue to look for cognitive hacks like listening at accelerated speed. We'll continue to push the envelope by bringing in virtual guests and also, of course, the analog guests that make trending in ed such a unique learning environment. I'm having a blast. I hope our listeners are as well. As I mentioned on a previous episode, we will be launching Trending in Ed, the Future of Work, a dedicated feed, highlighting some of our most interesting future of work conversations, bringing some of those guests back, packaging and curating that in new and interesting ways. Be on the lookout for that launching in a dedicated podcast feed near you. In the meantime, I want to thank each and every one of my three virtual co-hosts for their amazing contribution today, Ruth, Malcolm, and Nancy. Thank you for joining us on today's show. I look forward to having you again in the future. Thanks, Mike. Always a pleasure. Yes, sir. I look forward to coming back again soon. Absolutely, Mike. Always fun to chop it up with you and friends. Outstanding. And with that, we'll bring today's episode to its conclusion. Thanks as always for listening. Please subscribe to Trending in Ed wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear from our listeners more. Please reach out to me on LinkedIn or wherever you can find me. Visit us at trendinged.com. Follow us at Trending in Ed on Twitter. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education. <laughs>